Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Scott Wiley, and you're listening to the Action Addicts Podcast. And by the title of this episode, you will have already seen that this episode is all about the legend that is Jason David Frank. Jason David Frank unfortunately passed away a couple of weeks ago at the time of recording this episode. And I've asked my friend Brendan to come on, and we're going to basically reminisce about our personal experiences with Jason David Frank, what he meant to us, what impact he had on us in our childhoods, in our adulthood, his time on Power Rangers, and many of the things he did that were not Power Rangers. Now, I had originally recorded a completely different intro uh, with Brendan, aka DBGeek, so I am going to throw you back over to partway through that intro, But when I listened back to it, I kind of decided that I needed to add a couple things and I wanted to redo it completely because I didn't like how it came across. Jason David Frank was an icon to many, many people and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this or not because trying to do anything resembling a worthy tribute, I would be here for hours and hours and I can just keep talking and we say as much at the end. You're going to hear me talk a lot in this episode and um, words can't really express how I'm feeling about this and I know I'm not alone. Brendan feels the same and I know so many people that reached out and said the same thing and it wasn't really until I listened back to the recording that I realized how all over the place I sound in places. I've obviously done editing to try and reduce that, but there are some places where I've left it in because it just fits, and you might not even notice it, but I do. We also had a couple of off-topic moments, which considering that this is a tribute to JDF, I wasn't sure originally if I wanted to leave them in. It was more just, you know, natural conversation as we were discussing certain topics. However... I've decided to leave them in because they're still about Power Ranger actors. They're still about the brand in general. And if there's one thing that Jason was really good at, it was making sure that the uh, the brand got served. And, you know, his fellow actors are doing good things. And hearing Brendan's reactions to the fact that they're all coming back, essentially is uh is something that I, I thought was too good to take out and giving props to Johnny Young Bosch and uh talking about other stuff uh, from the action addicts, you know, Isaac Florentine and the stuff that he's doing with Johnny. I've left all of that in because it 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 fits, you know. It's a conversation between two friends trying to work through the fact that one of their childhood icons is gone and 
if it doesn't work for you, I get it. It's fine. But I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I'll see you guys in the next episode. But until then, here's our conversation. Enjoy. Now, the first thing I want to say before we go any further is that there is a lot of stories going out about now about how he passed, why he passed, and those involved. And I don't particularly wish to dwell or talk about any of them. So please don't either, is all I'm going to say to that. Unfortunately, was a case of he took his own life that is not in repute. His funeral has already happened. So for everybody out there who's putting these fucking rumors online that there's more to it, shut up, is what I'm going to say to that. This is not the time or nor the place for that. And that's not what this episode's going to be about. Joining me on this episode is someone that I imagine quite a lot of you are familiar with. If you're not familiar with the name DB Geek from YouTube and Twitch, then you might be familiar with him when he came on and we both kind of raged about Mortal Kombat 2021. <laughs> yeah. But welcome back to the show, my friend Brendan, aka DB Geek. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. I'm great. It's great to be back on the show and I'm looking forward to talk about this individual and celebrate his life in, in a way and just kind of speak our minds as tribute to this incredible person that touched a lot of our childhoods in, in the past. So, yeah, I'm excited. Exactly. And that is essentially what we're going to be doing with this episode. If you're unfamiliar with Jason David Frank, which I would be very surprised uh, given that Power Rangers does seem to get mentioned on quite a lot of these episodes. But if you're not sure who that is, he was the actor, well, martial artist turned actor who played Tommy Oliver on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers all the way back in 1993. And I'd love to tell you that he did it, you know, for like a year or two years or three years. But this dude just kept going and didn't technically leave the show until 97, 98 on Power Rangers Turbo. Uh, 97, yeah. Uh, however, he would then return for Power Rangers Wild Force, Power Rangers Dino Thunder, Power Rangers Mega Force, Super Mega Force, Hyper Force, and then the last appearance was in Ninja Steel, which was in 2018. He also voiced the character on Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, and I'm pretty confident that he has sort of played parody versions of that and others. He has done other stuff other than Power Rangers, but that is, without a shadow of a doubt, the thing he's most known for, including the two feature films, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie from 95, and Turbo Power Rangers, the movie from 97. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. That was a mouthful. How about you, Brendan? That was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, the one thing that I think that was so special about Jason was how he was so connected to his fans and how he really embraced the character. Like, he embodied the character so much that he literally became that character IRL. Like, Jason David Frank and Tommy Oliver were one and the same being, two sides of the same coin. And he really embraced that. And you could see that in his presence on screen whenever he was at conventions with his fans. And he really like embraced it to the max where people would just love him for who he is. And he was respected around that. So, yeah, it was obviously really sad to see him go. And honestly, I didn't think it would hit me as hard as it did when it happened, but it did. And I think that just goes to show what kind of an impact he had on my ch childhood and many others around the world. 
Um, so yeah, it was pretty tragic to hear the news, but as I said at the start, we're going to celebrate his legacy and just talk about the things that he's done and the reason why he was loved by so many. So yeah, I miss him dearly, and I think a lot of us are going to. But yeah, he's 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 done a lot. He's done a lot for the Power Rangers franchise, and I honestly don't think the Power Rangers franchise would be anything to what it is today if it wasn't for Jason David Frank. No, I I definitely agree with that last sentiment. Regardless of what many people's uh, opinions about. JDF himself as time went on was or whether or not Tommy Oliver was brought back too many times if you were around in the 90s and if you were part of the original craze of Power Rangers and you were the right age group and even if you weren't and you were just along for the ride there's no way that you didn't know the name Tommy Oliver there's no way you didn't see the impact of the Green Ranger he was very much the thing that kicked Power Rangers over the edge they were already the number one show before he even showed up but his storyline, Green with Evil, was the storyline that was a standout, you know, five episodes long. He kicks everyone's ass. Everybody gets, you know, a chance to actually act. They do different stuff. It's not just a bunch of recycled footage forever and a day. That storyline became an iconic piece of history for a reason. And he was a massive part of that. I also want to go back to what you just said that. When he did pass, I was right there with you in that I didn't really expect it to affect me the way it did. Um, I think it's one of those things where deep down, you know that you're going to outlive your childhood heroes because they were adults when you were a child. In theory, you're going to mm -hmm. outlive them. But I don't think anyone was prepared for this to happen so soon because yeah. you know relatively speaking he was not that old you know he was only 49 mm -hmm. and i just don't think anybody was prepared for that i mean i i saw his name trending before the news dropped officially and i assumed that it was for something else that was the last thing on my mind yeah and the fact yeah. that it happened uh literally like a week after we lost kevin conroy was just like the 90s kids had it rough in November. It's all I'm going to say. Yeah, for sure. It really was something that I don't think anybody expected. And considering, as you said, he was only 49 and it seemed like he still had so much passion and drive, you know, and I didn't really keep, you know, tabs on him or anything like that or keep up to date in his life and stuff. I just knew that he was there and that was enough for me. But then obviously when the news had hit the internet, Everybody started talking about him. Shit has been made up about him. Rumors everywhere. And it's just vicious, really, what you see online now. And I don't like that because it creates this negative space when it should be a time of, you know, mourning and celebrating a legacy. But instead, it's just trolls on the Internet trying to create drama that's not actually there. But it is it is sad to hear what happened, of course, and not knowing and I, I kind of kick myself not keeping tabs on him and maybe just seeing how he's doing and stuff like that. But at the same time, I just didn't expect it. Nobody did. So, yeah, it's too little too late. But, yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks that he's gone. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think a lot of people are feeling that way. I know a lot of people were saying that they they had they. It's not that. How do I phrase this? Like you said, it's not expected for fans to keep tabs like to the point that they know every single thing about someone. But 
JDF, especially like a few years ago, was very, very much all about that online life. You know, he was constantly doing live mm. streams. He would constantly post stuff that was going on with him. He had his own uh, reality show called My Morphing Life, which is on YouTube. And I think it was yeah. on something else for a bit, but it, it's it's mostly all on YouTube where he would essentially just vlog his life. But it was like he does. He did crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the middle of all of that, he started making short films and the short films were basically about the poetry that he was writing. And so many people didn't even know this side of him, which is that he dealt with his issues and his demons by writing. And like people, I think somebody saw one of the things that he wrote and was like, dude, this is actually really good. Do you have more? And he was like, uh, yeah, you could say I have more. And he had like, you know, it pictures someone opening a cupboard door and this mountain of paperwork just falls out and flops on the floor. And uh, they were all pretty good. So he started turning them into short films and they're pretty much all dealing with how difficult it is to just exist. <laughs> it's, the, it's the simplest way of putting it. There isn't a single one really that's not about growing, that's not about dealing with mental health issues, that's not about combating anxiety mm. and the funny thing is is if you go back and watch power rangers tommy oliver was an outcast he was someone that didn't really connect with the group right from the word go he was a loner he kept to himself he trained in martial arts and all of his life lessons came from uh karate and a lot of the the lessons that tommy was sort of learning and teaching to kids are the same things that he wrote in the poetry about how you have to deal with your inner issues, spirituality, anxiety, self-confidence. And, you know, it's very rare for someone to put themselves out there so openly and try and make it a creative outlet. And I think it's a, it's a shame that it's, it's only now that people are going, oh, wow, I had no idea. And it's like, there's a lot of this stuff out there if you want to go find it, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's it's crazy, really. It, it takes somebody's death for people to see these things or to notice these things. And, I, and it's a sad truth, but it is the truth. And, you know, someone like Jason David Frank and the fact that we didn't expect this to happen and nobody did, people started looking into it a lot more. And then you realize that this man has dealt with a lot for many years. It wasn't all of a sudden. This wasn't something that he was only dealing with for the last few weeks or months. It's been with him for the longest time. And he's spoken about it openly. And as, as you said, in the short films and stuff that he'd done, explaining things in a kind of poetic manner and people begin to realize, oh, like he's been struggling for a long time. He's been fighting these demons for so long. And maybe just one moment, just kind of, he woke up one morning and said, look, this is it and I'm done and it's finished. And, it's crazy, really, it is. And I want to speak about a little bit more positive things about JDF. And what you mentioned there earlier was my morphin' life. And I get so nostalgic when I hear that because I stopped keeping track with Tommy Oliver's character, um, Jason David Frank, for a long time because we grow up, obviously, and we move on to other things. But Power Rangers was always there with me. It always was, and it's never going to leave. It's a big, big place in my heart. But... When I well, how I rediscovered Jason David Frank, I think was through my Morphin Life. When I realized he had his own kind of like vlog series, and I I got to see the guy behind Tommy Oliver, and he was such a 
super energetic, crazy dude. And he was everything that I expected him to be. And that's what ignited my my love for him again. And after that, it came into the 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 YouTube videos that he done with Superpower Beatdown and all of that stuff. That stuff always gets me so hyped. I remember first watching the White Ranger versus Scorpion on YouTube, and I just lost my mind watching that for the first time. And I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, there's no way that's actually Jason David Frank. There's no way that's Tommy Oliver. And then towards the end, the helmet comes off, and there he is. And that really opened my eyes to how much he is dedicated to this character and his fan base. So that's something that I think will always stick with me. Amazing. Yes. Um, my like following of Jason David Frank online goes back much further than my morphing life. However, I was a big fan of Superpower Beatdown, which for those of you who don't know, was something I was toying with doing an episode on this show anyway, but I probably won't, but it may happen, I don't know. But it's it's made by a YouTube channel called Bat in the Sun. They've made a bunch of uh what would be called fan films now. And they, they did a lot of great stuff with Batman. And then they started doing this thing where they would pit fictional characters against each other, superpowered beatdown, which is hilarious because the first episode is actually a bunch of the Batmobiles racing each other. It's got nothing to do with characters beating each other, which always makes me chuckle. But when they announced that they were going to do Scorpion versus the White Ranger, I had to rewind that bit like three or four times because I was like, really? <laughs> Because, you know, at that point in time, Power Rangers had not had its um, its resurgence for being cool and retro. It was still very much, uh, yeah, conventions don't really want Power Rangers actors. And, you know, that's just that silly thing in the 90s. Like, 90s nostalgia hadn't really come, come into its own yeah. yet. It was still yeah. very much the 80s. And I genuinely think that, that that episode had a big impact on how people saw Power Rangers because it got a lot of views. and. Yep. The fact that they got JDF to come in and do a bit with the like the research side of things, like what his powers were, what he could do, what martial arts he knew, um, and the fact that he let them film that in his gym, because uh, obviously we you know we will talk about his martial arts side of things in a bit. But he owned uh, several gyms, but he let them film in this one particular gym he owns, which also has a full size MMA octagon built in it for people to practice mixed martial arts and what it's like to be in the real thing for competitive sport. And then, as you say, he voices the character that then shows up to fight. And then at the end, they do some clever green screening to make him be the white ranger that takes off the helmet. And that went down so well that they then brought him back again to do the green ranger video mm -hmm. against Ryu from street fighter. But this time yep. they actually had him there and he gets to fight in, in his civilian form before he morphs. Yeah. And, I don't know if you know this, so I'm curious to see what your reaction to this is. Is did you know that when he filmed that, his leg was in a cast? No, I I, I didn't know that. That's even more impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they had this massive like choreography all planned out for him to do, and then I cannot remember exactly what it was he did, but I know he had a, a recurring issue with his hamstring where he kept blowing it, and he kept having problems with one of his biceps that he blew as well when he was training. He had his leg in a cast and they were constantly like, yeah, this choreography ain't going to work anymore. So when you rewatch it, there are some points when you can kind of notice it because uh, he's clearly working around it. And there's a there's a My Morphing Life episode where they film the behind the scenes and he's like, yeah, yeah, I can do this jump kick. I don't care. It'll hurt, but I can do it. And they're like, no, Jason, 
We have stunt doubles for this. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I I love that. Like that for me. Like when when that video first dropped, I think everybody got so nostalgic when that video dropped. It's like, oh my god, the Power Rangers. I used to love them when I was a kid. And as you said, it got so many views. That like that went super viral. And you just know, like the fans started, you know, rallying again, or rallying together and realizing like, okay, there is room, there is space for conventions and stuff for Power Rangers. Their fans are still very much here. And I think that's awesome. Like he did have a huge effect in, in that regard, regarding the community and Power Rangers as a whole. And as I said earlier, Power Rangers wouldn't be as popular as it is today if it wasn't for him and keeping the passion for the character alive you know so yeah i really love those videos i will go back and watch them a million times over and i just think they're great i'd love to see another one i've I've also got to say just as a, a a shout out when they when they built new costumes for the white ranger and the green ranger they they slightly changed the design of the white ranger but it wasn't anything drastic so you might not even notice it but they came up with basically a completely different design for the Green Ranger, like the helmet's got different mm -hmm. colors and materials. The actual suit looks different. And that particular design got very popular. There's so many cosplays of it. Lots of people uh, wanted that version for themselves. Mm -hmm. But in the Boom comic series that is uh, still going as far as I know, that version of the Green Ranger, that particular design is now canon. Like there is a Green Ranger that has that suit in an official Power Rangers comic now. Yeah, I heard that. I actually read something about that, that they've made a deal. They actually had to sign some contracts and stuff to make it actually canon. So I think that's amazing. It just goes to show like that kind of impact that it had. It's amazing. And plus that suit is incredible. It's the, probably the best green version green ranger suit out there right now it's amazing yeah no i i agree it's it's funny how when it was first announced people didn't like it because it was so different but then when you see it in motion it's like actually this thing rocks like i love it <laughs> yeah it is it's awesome it's really awesome so i'm curious obviously you said that you kind of left Power Rangers behind but i know for a fact that you've watched some of the iterations where he comes back do you have any particular favorite memories of like watching, seeing them come back? Because I know I do. Yeah, I think the one that really stands out to me, and it's not just because of Jason David Frank, but many others, is probably Forever Red. I think, <laughs> yeah, you probably knew I was going to say that. Yeah, But I think that's one I think I'll never, ever get out of my head. I never in a million years would think they would do something as crazy as that. When that episode happened, I was like, "This is no, there's no way this is happening. They can't get everybody back. And they did. It's, it's one of the most legendary Power Rangers moments that will never be topped, ever. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I think one of the reasons why that episode sticks with so many people, because I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't say Forever Red. Like, if you want to list, like, top 10 episodes for just insanity mm -hmm. and one of the main reasons is no one knew it was going to happen because it was still in that era before everybody knew everything because of the internet so one day you know I, I, like you said like much like yourself i wasn't even watching it at that point 
my cousin was getting into the show at that point in time like wild forces when he started being old enough to watch it on his own Mm -hmm. and we literally put it on one morning and then it starts on the moon and i see andros from in space and a load of cogs from zeo and a load of guys that look like beetleborgs and i'm going what the hell is going on (laughs) yeah exactly it was insane like i just remember the moment of all of them meeting up and you know jason is there jason david frank is there tommy and then somebody pulls up in a motorbike and i'm like there's no way there's there's no way helmet comes off and there he is austin st john in the flesh and i'm like this is the best thing in my life right now you know just incredible goosebumps just goosebumps moments man yeah i i gotta be honest seeing tommy and jason reunited is worth the price of entry for that episode alone yeah it is endlessly sad that that is also the last time those two characters share the screen for reasons we won't go into, but yeah, it, yeah. it is just, it is so good to see that many Red Rangers together, but seeing those two in particular uh, get to share the screen again after what at that point would have been like seven-ish years, I think. Yeah. And then two years later, he would return for a full series uh, in Power Rangers Dino Thunder, which was yeah. just like, all right okay, I guess I'm going to give this a go. And uh, I ended up watching the whole thing. So I was like, all right, I guess if you get people I'm interested in, I can still like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think, you know, nostalgia is one thing, but it's just the attachment to the character as well. You know, it just goes to show that Jason was very good at being that character and always like appealing to his audience, no matter what age they were. And yeah, I watched a lot of that. Uh, series as well, just because he was in it, wasn't he known as Doctor Oliver in it though? Wasn't he? Yes, wasn't he a doctor he, or something. He he yeah. was a doctor of paleontology. That's right, uh, yeah. which made absolutely no sense given that at the end of Turbo he left to become a race car driver and somehow ended up becoming a doctor, uh, a specialist of dinosaurs, archaeology, and genetics. So it's like it, it's funny, <laughs> but it, the real reason they did that is because. They wanted an excuse to make sure that he was always wearing shirt and tie because they needed a way to cover up the fact that he had tattoos now and they don't like tattoos. And I find that endlessly funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, you can't have tattoos in a kid's show, right? (laughs) I mean, it's it's even worse than that. Like up literally up until this year, every time an actor has had to return to that show, the first thing that the men have to do is shave off their facial hair. Like, no facial hair. We're clean-cut heroes still, you know? That's hilarious. It's just like, wow. <laughs> Which is why, um, getting a slightly off topic, the fact that uh, Johnny Youngbosch uh, is still got some facial hair and, and he's returning uh, next year uh, is just, like, mind-blowing. Like, that's that's more impressive than the fact he's returning. It's like they're actually acknowledging that people grow beards. I'm I'm in, I'm super interested in this now. That's revolutionary. That's a big change. It is. It is. It's only taken 30 years, but Power Rangers finally made a change. <laughs> and going off topic, I know I've heard and I've seen some announcements, but Johnny Young Bosch, is David Yost coming back too? Uh, okay. Are you sitting down? I'm sitting down. I feel like I need to be sitting down to hear this news. So the returning <laughs> cast are Johnny Young Bosch, David okay. Yost, Wow, okay. Walter Jones. Okay. Catherine Sutherland. 
Oh, wow. All right. Karen Ashley. What? Steve Cardenas. Okay, everybody's coming back. Correct. Holy crap. The only, pro- the only three actors who are currently not confirmed is Amy Jo Johnson, Austin St. John, and sadly, Jason David Frank. Oh, damn. Oh, my God. It is, it is a special 30th anniversary Mighty Morphing Power Rangers episode that will be on Netflix, uh, and it is just those guys. They're not crossing over with other people. I mean, they might be, but that'll be something else. But this is literally MMPR 30 years later. Wow, it's a reunion. Yes. Uh, a set photo is out there of all of them stood next to each other. There's also an alpha model in that photo. And also, I cannot say this actress's name because I don't know off the top of my head, but there is also a young Asian woman who is going to be playing Min, the daughter of Trini. Oh, man, I just got chills. I got I got chills and I got really sad at the same time, simply because I know somebody is not going to be there. Yeah, well, unfortunately, when the episode was produced, like, a lot of, from what we know, a lot of the episode was is written around Trini's daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Trini herself sadly cannot appear because she unfortunately passed away in 2001. And no one has ever really addressed what that meant for Trini. Uh, the actress yeah. passed away, but the character, as far as we know, lives on and has had their own life. So I don't know if the fact that her daughter is going to be in that means that they might actually say that Trini has passed away as well, or if they're just going to say she's off doing something else. We don't know, and we won't know until it airs, but it's going to yeah. be very interesting. <laughs> I know that much. Well, I know I'll be watching that episode. I'll be sobbing like a baby, I think. It uh, Again, this is like rumors stroke leaks, but if they're true, it's allegedly going to be two episodes and they're both going to be 40 minutes long. Oh, well, wow. It's going to be like watching a freaking movie. That was my hope. Uh, I will not be annoyed in the slightest if it if that is the case. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's huge. That's great for all of the, the OG fans of the series, you know, and it's great for them too, you know. They they deserve something like this because um, they 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 made Power Rangers what it is today. Like MMPR, that was it. That was the big, that was the one that put it on the map, man. I know it's the first. I know it's the original. I know I'm biased because that's what we grew up with. But I always go back to MMPR, and a lot of people do. You know, they they set the standard, and I think that's awesome. The the thing is as well, and I know so many people. Right, so. I- it's not the case anymore, sadly, but for a very, very long time, like a like a good 10-year period, every season of Power Rangers was on Netflix. You could watch any episode, yeah. but, you know, sadly, they're not there anymore. Licenses elapsed, and Hasbro didn't care to renew anything except Mighty Morphin. But I know so many parents and so many people at conventions who are also, like, parents themselves, and I've heard it said so many times where they give their kid the remote and say, here you go, entertain yourself. And then suddenly they hear Go Go Power Rangers playing. They've got 25 years plus of other Power Rangers shows to pick and they gravitate towards Mighty Morphin, even though it's got dated effects, 
maybe some ropey visuals and all that sort of stuff, and it's set in the 90s, that's still the one that the kids seem to gravitate to. Make of that what you will. Yeah, it just goes to show. I just, I I, honestly, I think it's just, it's it's just an amazing piece of history, and it's so good that even kids today enjoy the crap out of it. You know, they'll still get up and rock to the music, and they'll want the action figures. Like I get kids in GameStop because people watching at home, I work at GameStop, and kids be going in, and sometimes we have MMPR stuff, and they gravitate towards it. So you just know it's still very much popular the original series so yeah it's uh, also just uh this this yeah i'll probably edit this this sentence out but just check your phone on whatsapp oh hang on hang on i my phone's on charge but i have whatsapp open here on my browser okay yeah oh wow oh god that's so epic oh if, man that's so sweet and if, and if you notice uh Adam and Aisha are wearing uniforms with logos that no one can actually read, but people have like found super high quality versions of this photo, zoomed the fuck in, and are pretty sure it says SPD or SPA, which obviously was another season, and that season was set in 2025, and there's a big sort of idea that they're saying that these guys founded the Earth version of Space Patrol Alpha or Space Patrol Delta, and that this will actually end the franchise by saying that SPD is the next season which has already been made, and that that's how the show ends because they're now going to hand it over to like an official organization of Power Rangers rather than just random people that get powers. And that would also actually fit because the Power Rangers comic Soul of the Dragon, which was all about Tommy Oliver and what he does towards the end of his life where he's married to Catherine and he has a son, his last adventure is all about helping SPD take down what they think is a reborn Rita Repulsa. And the whole moral of the comic is that Tommy Oliver is not Tommy Oliver anymore. He's an old guy. And they win by letting him pass the power on to the next generation. It's like, I don't need to keep putting my life on the line. You guys got this. I trust you. I'm going to go on holiday, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. They all look so great as well. They look absolutely fantastic for their age now. Well, wow. the, the the thing is as well is, this is, again, a bit off topic, but Johnny Young Bosch, I actually think he's about to have a big push in the industry because he's gone off and filmed this and i was actually convinced that he wasn't going to be in this because that beard that he has there he has that because he was filming a completely different film called hellfire which also stars stephen lang dolph lundgren harvey keitel um and is directed by isaac florentine who people will know is the scott adkins's guy who basically made some of the best direct-to-DVD martial arts films ever, and Johnny's mm-hmm. playing like the main villain in that. And if Isaac's directing it, uh, he's going to get some fight scenes that are going to be amazing, and he's fighting Stephen Lang. That That's going to get a lot of exposure. Then he's got this coming out as well, the MMPR reunion, and he also has another film called Get the Girl that the trailer just came out for on YouTube. And I'm pretty sure that all of this is because of that short film he did, Arc Exodus, that a lot of industry people went, holy shit, why haven't we been casting you in things? And yes, maybe it's a bit late in life, but better late than never. 
Yeah, like, and he deserves all of it, a hundred percent. He's been putting the work in in the background for many years, and it's it's only now he's getting the recognition. But sure, look, better late than never, like you said. And I really hope him the best. I really, really do. He deserves this push, hundred percent. And you know, as for those listening, uh, if you've ever seen any videos that have both Johnny Young Bosch and Jason David Frank together you will know that they were stupidly close friends. Uh, they were the two that bonded the closest on set and that that friendship continued on the convention circuit. If you wanted to hear an embarrassing story about one of them, the other would be more than happy to tell it. Uh, and if you wanted to hear how both of them nearly killed each other on multiple occasions due to their insanity and stupidity, they would also be happy to tell you those stories. <laughs> <laughs> One of which uh, that I think I, I always think of is uh, when they were in Australia filming the movie, uh, JDF dared Johnny to get on the roof of a moving car whilst they were on the uh, Australian equivalent of the highway. And he did, because apparently if you dared him to do stuff when he was a teenager, he was incapable of saying no. And then once he was up there and realized what a stupid idea this was, Jason rolled up the windows, unlocked the doors, and then started to uh, make the car move erratically by pulling on the steering wheel of the driver. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, he found it hilarious, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, they eventually let him in with many of the other cast uh, slapping him around. But, yeah, that's the sort of... Uh, things that jdf would uh, think of as a prank he is a notorious prankster the list of stuff that he's done we would be here all night but again it's just not what like what you were saying until you actually look at the actor not the character you'd never get that from seeing tommy oliver on screen no it was it was just always fun and games laughter and just pranks and stuff it was just always a good time um but yeah, like I said, he's, he was such a, a great person, so full of personality, very community-driven, loved his fans, and dedicated so much time to the character. Um, but as we said, it is sad to see him go, but we're happy that he left such an epic legacy behind. Yeah, sticking to his acting, I mean, like I said, he did a lot of Power Rangers stuff, that's what he's most known for, but he also branched off and he was in episodes of MTV's Undressed. He was in uh, a few random films over the years. The The two that stick out to me is Fall Guy, the Jon Stewart story and uh, The One Warrior. Uh, before I start talking, have you seen either of these two films, D? No, I actually haven't seen any of them. So uh, Fall Guy, the Jon Stewart story is a very, well, they're both very low budget films. But Fall Guy was what he did years ago. Uh, it says 2007 on IMDb. I thought it was a bit earlier than that, but we'll go with 2007. I have that on DVD, and I actually have it signed by JDF. Um, yeah, I think I remember you sending me a picture. And I was like, I'm so jealous. I don't even know what that movie is, but I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember taking that to him because it was the last convention I saw him at, which was London MCM. I literally only went there on a Sunday. Um and he was so nice uh and generous because like i i at that point wasn't doing great financially and previous times i'd seen him he'd signed a ridiculous amount of stuff for me because for those who don't know 
basically i went to a convention as his vip which is a very long story but it basically meant that i got to everything signed for free so i capitalized on that fact and he loved it and we talked about all sorts of stuff but fall guy was something that he was like i don't think i've ever had a, a someone in the uk bring me this dvd and we just had a great time talking about it so john stewart is a director that made uh, action usa and a bunch of other films he was known as a big big shot hollywood director for a very short amount of time but he also worked on power rangers he actually came in to shoot and direct a number of episodes, and they actually have this hilarious moment in the film where JDF is playing Jon Stewart, going to work for Haim Saban making Power Rangers, and they actually have a scene where he's directing himself back in the past with other actors playing Jason David Frank, David Yost, and Amy Jo Johnson. And it's so surreal, that sequence of events is just hilarious. <laughs> that does sound funny. I love that. It it also has one of my favorite exchanges where the character the character of Jason David Frank playing Tommy Oliver comes over to the actual Jason David Frank playing John Stewart and says, "Hey man, how 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 was that? Was were, were my lines okay?" And JDF says back to himself, "It doesn't matter if your lines were okay, kid. Nobody watches this shit." And then <laughs> and then it cuts to him trying to like leave the lot where they filmed it and there's just legions of fans swarming him and he like dives into his car looks over at his girlfriend and he's like huh okay maybe people do watch this shit <laughs> <laughs> that is great i love that that's so funny <laughs> uh the the one warrior is kind of a sad film so i don't want to talk about it a lot not sad as in it's a depressing film if anything i'd say four guys are depressing film but the One Warrior was a passion project of JDF's. It, it, it should have been a massive martial arts blowout. Uh, that's how it was advertised. That's how it was shot. Uh, there's plenty of behind-the-scenes stuff of it. Again, um, I, I was heavily involved in that one. Like, from the word go, I was following it. it came out in 2011, sort of. But whoever edited it butchered it. And I'm... Um, Sorry if that person ever listens to this episode, but that film is unwatchable. Every single fight scene, for some unbeknownst reason, whoever edited it, the camera zooms in and out and in and out like someone's having a fit. And the, all of the fight scenes are unwatchable and 70% of the film is fight scenes. And it's such oh. a shame because they're good fight scenes. You can see they're good fight scenes. Everybody in the film was like a mixed martial artist, an active combatant in the UFC or strike force at the time. JDF himself was mid his uh, MMA career. So it's it's such a shame that that one I can't recommend to you to go and watch, but it's a it is something that ultimately he did do and I wish there was a way to get hold of the original footage because again it just needs re-editing and and it would be an okay film. But the other thing that he did that I can recommend, and uh, we spent a very long time talking about uh, the first time I met him, was Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, where he played Bloodshot uh, a long time before Vin Diesel played the character, I will add, oh, for those that yeah. don't know. And I do not recommend a Vin Diesel movie. No, I don't either. I, I hate that film with a burning passion. And <laughs> Same. <laughs> I, I remember um, when I first spoke to Jason about the bloodshot role because i said you know i really liked 
the Ninjak series. And it's a shame that, you know, we don't get any more of your bloodshot because I actually was really excited for it. And, you know, he did the he did what he was supposed to do. He didn't really give an opinion. He just said, yeah, it's a shame, but I'm sure, you know, Vin will be great and blah, blah, blah. And then I spoke to him like after the film came out and I was like, dude, uh, I know it, it sucked that you didn't get it, but wow, did you dodge a bullet? And he just sort of smiled and went, you know, sometimes these things happen for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing with the, the Bloodshot role is that it actually kind of parallels what happened with JDF on Power Rangers, because for those of you who might not know, when Jason was first contracted to play the Green Ranger Tommy Oliver, it was a temporary role. It was not to become a series regular. The Green Ranger was originally only supposed to appear in a certain number of episodes and it wasn't that big of an amount it was uh my brain is saying it was about 17 episodes it might have been slightly less than that but it was definitely not more um you had the five green with evil episodes and then it was a, a real only a handful of episodes after that and then the storyline that was the green candle which i think was also the name of the two-parter was it um, that was the Green Ranger's last appearance in the show. And then the next time you would see the character of Tommy Oliver played by Jason David Frank would be in the Doomsday two-parter, which was the original series finale for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. However, due to the popularity of the television show, it would then be stretched and people were brought back to film more episodes. And season one has like 64, 63 episodes, something crazy like that. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that the first episodes of that second half of season one starts with Return of an Old Friend, which sees the Green Ranger come back uh, properly through a storyline that was invented to basically explain how he could come back but also why he wouldn't be in every episode because the Green Ranger footage was very limited and in many episodes he's not in it from start to finish. But it did mean that Jason Frank was now a regular on the cast as well and that he would obviously be there going forward. What people might not know is that during this really confusing period it was being talked about of the idea of giving Jason David Frank his own television show. And when the Green Ranger powers faded away again, and that was kind of it for him, he got it. And the show was called Cybertron. And there is a pilot episode out there on YouTube that you can go and find, and you can see the pilot for this show. The show did eventually get made, and it was called VR Troopers. They changed a lot of stuff from the pilot, but they also kept a lot of stuff in as the show was originally sold to the networks on the premise that we're going to give the Green Ranger his own show 
in a very similar thing where he's going to transform into a superhero and he's going to fight monsters and robots and there's going to be all this crazy stuff with the digital dimension. But instead, he ended up coming back to be the White Ranger because, so the story goes, uh, lots of people were writing angry letters to Saban to say that they needed to have Tommy Oliver back because their kids were depressed. Which, you know, sometimes I hear other versions of that story and sometimes I do think that that sounds too good to be true, but I don't doubt for a second that that was the case for a lot of families. Tommy was very popular and I don't think anyone was going to argue with the idea that people missed that character, especially the kids. So the guy that they had already cast to play the White Ranger and Jason David Frank essentially swapped places. The actor was called Brad Hawkins and he went and became the main character in VR Troopers and Tommy came back to be the White Ranger, then the Red Ranger, then another Red Ranger, then the Black Ranger, so on and so forth. And why does that make a parallel with the character of Bloodshot? Well, according to interviews with JDF about Bloodshot, and how he got the role. Originally, Bloodshot was supposed to be a very short appearance. Uh, he has a fight with Ninjak in the show, and that was it, basically. They filmed something uh, for him to have an introduction where he fights off a bunch of people in an alleyway, and then he goes and hunts Ninjak. Uh, but apparently the script was changed, and there were more scenes for Bloodshot now. And whilst it's not like he suddenly had a massive amount more, from the impression that he gave, it went from being like, you know, I could shoot everything in a day to I was going back for at least another day, maybe another day, you know, two days. And in the finished film, Bloodshot is featured in flashbacks. He is a, a main part of the story as to how they deal with the actual issue at hand with Ninjak allegedly being a traitor, and uh, he's in the finale, albeit very limited, but apparently all of that was not originally in the script, and again, JDF puts it down to the fact that, you know, he manages to get the cool character that everybody likes, and the fact that he was very much pushing Bloodshot and telling people to read Valiant comics, and, you know... He was he he was very good at marketing whatever he was doing and himself and selling himself. I think he pushed Bloodshot's popularity uh, higher than it, it was. I mean, he was a popular character, don't get me wrong, but so were many of the characters. And having an actor like JDF with his big following basically telling his entire fan base to go and buy Bloodshot comics and read them, I think there someone at Valiant went, we should put more Bloodshot in this TV show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he always found that funny that, you know, he he gets signed on for these small roles and then all of a sudden he's being asked to come back and do more. So I think that uh, speaks to both his character and his uh, skills as a salesman. Let's put it that way. But if you've never seen Ninjak vs. the Valiant Universe, it is uh, a series that was produced by Bat and the Sun. Yes, the same people that did Superpower Beatdown. Basically, they had the rights to make a show with characters from the Valiant universe, which at the time was enjoying a resurgence after it had been bought by a couple of people who really liked it in the 90s. Unfortunately, due to 
an issue with distribution and the fact that Valiant was bought by a big company whilst this show was being made, uh, trying to find it is not the easiest thing. It pops up on YouTube all the time, but it also then disappears from YouTube and then reappears. It originally aired as a series on comicbook.com of all things. They don't have those anymore, as far as I know. And then a edited version of all the episodes to be just a feature film was put out on JDFFN's YouTube channel, but that's disappeared. Uh, so any way you can watch that would be my advice because it doesn't look like we're ever going to get a proper release of that. So if you see it on YouTube, just watch it. It's uh, it's a bit of fun. You know, it's not going to blow your mind in terms of effects or acting from everybody, but if you like superhero stuff and you just want to see some really talented fighters go at it, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I remember you mentioned this to me a few years ago and I wanted to watch it, but I think I struggled finding it. And that's the reason why I never actually got around to watching it. So I'll have another look again and see if I can <laughs> dig it up somewhere from the archives and find it because it is something that I was genuinely interested in. And it's a shame I haven't seen it yet. So. I'll be sure to watch that for sure. Um, so you spoke about earlier your encounters with JDF. So unfortunately, I only got to meet him once, but I am grateful that I got to. Uh, but it was probably one of the best uh, moments of my life. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it was because it was my first time ever meeting a hero, a childhood hero. And it was the best way of meeting someone. It was at London Film uh, and Comic Con convention. And me and my sister said, we'll go there. We'll travel up there for one day, just a one day trip, because we knew he was going to be there. And we didn't think we'd ever have this opportunity again, because I remember he was doing a lot of stuff in the States at the time. And we were like, oh, we'll never get to meet him because it'll never come over across overseas. And as soon as we found and seen the announcement on Facebook, I think it was, we'd made the decision, look, we're going to go see him. We're going to dress up in full Ninjetti cosplay and we're going to meet him. And I remember the convention was, it was a good convention, but it was poorly organized at the time. I think the queue, if you want to call it that, for Jason David Frank's uh, photo shoot was awful. It was just a crowd of people just bunched up together. There was no barriers, no nothing. So nobody knew where to go. But I remember just standing in that crowd with people, with my sister, getting a tap on the shoulder. And somebody just kind of mentions in my ear, is this the queue for Jason David Frank, Tommy Oliver? And I turned around and said, yeah. And before I could finish my sentence, it was Jason David Frank that tapped me on the shoulder. And I'll never forget this moment because me and my sister were like in disbelief and everybody around us was like, oh, my God, it's it's him. And I was like, oh, my God, Jason, I'm such a huge fan. Is it OK if we get a photo? And he said, sure. And he just picked up the phone out of my hand and he took the selfie and I remember he given back the phone to me and said, you guys look amazing. I'll see you guys in the photo shoot. And the envy and disbelief from everybody around us was incredible. I just remember that's it was just such a, a moment in, in my life that I'll never forget. And my sister as well. We were just grinning from ear to ear. And he was just so cool and chill when we got to the photo booth. And we ended up going to see him queuing up to get a signature off him as well. And he just stayed chatting to us for a few minutes, not rushing us along. And, you know, saying that he wished he could speak to us for a little while longer and all that stuff. But that really showed to me what kind of person he was and what his fans meant to him, you know. But, yeah, I'll never forget that moment. That was the only time I got to meet him. But I couldn't have asked for a better 
meeting with somebody so special to me. It was awesome. Yeah. And to be honest, there's there's thousands of people online who've shared similar stories. I mean, I had a bit of a surreal experience because my first meeting with him was at MCON. And I'd been to MCON before for something else. I think, oh, that, yeah. Yeah, I went there for, for the Doctor Who actors that were there with a friend, and this was like their first year running. And it's like in a stadium, so it's nothing compared to like London Film Comic Con and uh, especially MCM. But, you know, mm. the, the, the intimate setting meant that you actually got a lot more time to, to chat with people that want to, because not everybody wants to, is the, the dark secret of conventions. Yeah. But uh, the time that they had JDF there maybe was their second or third time running it so i kind of was like okay they'll have improved on a lot of things that they they you know didn't have much experience in such as queuing and they mm. did for everybody else uh to say that they severely underestimated how many people were going to turn up to cjdf would the understatement of the year his queue was so long that they actually refused to allow people to queue for him and they essentially gave everybody that wanted to see him a raffle ticket and said that they would call out groups of numbers uh, and then those people would come up in the order of the numbers. And at the time, I think I got like 300 and something and they were still on like 30. Wow. And I was just like, this is such a stupid way of doing this. This is not going to work. And it didn't, but they had really no alternative. But I also remember uh, when he went to have like the professional photos, that was in a different part of the stadium. And then they had to just queue. The queue went all the way around the stadium in a big circle. And then it started going up the staircase and the security guys were like, yeah, we can't we can't have this. Like they're blocking entrances and exits like they're they're causing health and safety hazards. And it was just, oh, my God, it was such a mess. But it's like this is what happens when you underestimate power range of fans they exist they are out there and i've seen so many conventions especially when it comes to jdf asj and ajj they just never prepare for the, the crowds that are going to come for those three in particular yeah i think that's hilarious i think the same issue did occur at london film con hence there was no there was no structure because i don't think the event organizers realized how popular this person is and there was actually several other rangers at this event as well i think um jason font was there as far as i remember and a few others and i think they were the main reason why there were so many people at this convention so again never underestimate the power rangers community and how passionate they are for for these actors and the work that they've done um yeah that's that's insane like I, that doesn't surprise me not even for a minute that the chaos that was at MCON. Just crazy. So um to 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 actually tell my story, because I think this is I, I actually really remember this. So before I'd even gone to the convention and I was uh, I, I was gonna go, but I hadn't actually like sorted it all out yet. JDF, as I said at the very beginning, liked to do live streams. And at some point Instagram int introduced the uh idea that someone who's live streaming can essentially pull somebody else into the live stream and you can have a conversation with them some people use this to do like interview stuff or to have like a a guest on but he would basically do this thing where he would pull someone random out of the chat that was watching him 
and they got to ask like a free question or he would like be doing a giveaway or a quiz and um I'd seen quite a few of these and on this particular day I was watching it on my phone and he was getting grumpy because he picked two people and the first person didn't really like seem to want to talk he was just sort of like I don't know if he just got like stage fright but he didn't do anything and the second person he picked put their phone down and never came back and he was like okay I'm gonna pick someone but the next person I pick be good you know it's like and uh (laughs) It was me that he picked. and That's uh, crazy. So I got to have an Instagram chat with him, which I have recorded. I still have it. And uh, he really liked, you know, marketing. He was very good at marketing. And so without any uh, pushing from him, I immediately was like, by the way, I'm going to be coming to see you at MCOM. That's in like four months, you know, April, such and such and such and such. And his face was like, this guy gets it. And he's like, well, tell you what, man, I'm going to give you the VIP experience. Uh, One of my people will be in touch with you to give you all the details. And when you get there, we'll have a great time and I'll sign everything for free. And that's exactly what happened. That's incredible. I'm so jealous, but I'm so happy for you at the same time. That's that's amazing. Like, what are the odds? That is so cool. That's so cool. I love that story. And then uh, when I got there, because of the chaos, I don't I don't know exactly if he was planning to like do something else, but he had no real time to chat because it was so busy. And that was fine. I understood that. I wasn't expecting special treatment in inverted commas. But um, I went back again and uh, the first time I'd been wearing my Lord Zed T-shirt and he loved it because he's like, I've never seen that design and I've never seen that design anywhere else. I'm I'm very protective of that T-shirt. I've stopped wearing it now for fear that I'll ruin it. <laughs> but um, he, you know, he was and he signed my T-shirt whilst I was wearing it. And I was like, I think I've got everything I own currently signed. And there was a carrier bag. And he was like, I haven't signed the carrier bag. Like he literally was just like, I'll autograph anything, man. Just put it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back on the second day to actually have a conversation with him because it was nowhere near as packed. And that was great. But before we before I got there, there was uh, a kid with... Um, learning disabilities and when i say kid he was a teenager but he you know he he was clearly having difficulties with a lot of things um but he was absolutely loving his interaction with uh, jdf and he basically asked jason if they could do like a mock fight and jason said yes and like made everybody like basically give them some space and then he choreographed a sword fight with plastic swords obviously and yeah. they basically acted out this fight. And the reason why this has always stuck with me in my head is um, because, you know, the, he got very excited that Jason was doing this. He basically just forgot the choreography every single time and just swung like an absolute mad lad actually trying to take his head off. <laughs> and uh, this went on like three times. The first time Jason was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what we said we'd do. The second time you could tell he got a little grumpy. And then the third time he was like, okay. Clearly, he's not going to actually follow the choreography. I got this. And the staff were like, we need to kind of like move this along. And the third time, the kid swung it in with all of his might and Jason just blocked it. And on the second block, he didn't just block. He just literally took the sword out of his hand like you see in films and just sent it hurtling across the room and then pretended to stab him. And the kid obviously acted it out and died and everybody cheered. And it was amazing. 
But I just, I'll never forget the speed at which he took that sword out of that guy's hand. <laughs> it was like, I've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just stuck with me, the fact that he would do that for a fan that, you know, has traveled all that way. You know, I imagine the travel is not easy with him. And he just made that kid's day, you know? Yeah. He probably made that kid's whole year, to be quite honest. Even That's something that oh, I think will stick with him for a very long time. You know, yeah. that's the kind that's the kind of impact that he had on his fans, you know, and it'll live on forever. You know, he may be gone, but he's going to live on through a lot of his fans for forever. And his legacy will always live on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that my friends that uh, cosplay as Power Rangers, they have their own group called Scottish Power Rangers because they're Scottish. They're very original. Um, <laughs> but uh they they had Jason up there for one of the Scottish Comic Cons and they all dressed up as all of the different Tommy Oliver suits and mm. he absolutely loved it and he took so many photos with them. He like invited them backstage so that they could have, you know, more space to take some decent photos and I'm pretty sure a couple of them got asked to go and stand like on stage while he was hosting a panel. As, and he was like, don't these guys look amazing? Like, you know, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. He was always so good with his fans. He'll always give them the time of day. And that's what I really respected about him, you know? Yeah, because the, the uh, thing that I've heard so uh, consecutively from so many people, I also experienced because on that first day where I said was pure chaos, there were still so many people that hadn't been seen yet and uh i was like i'm trying to think it was it, it, it shut at like five o'clock for sake of argument and i got my stuff signed at like half past four so half the convention is already like basically shutting down and closing up because everybody wants to just go and i remember the staff came over to him like whilst i was standing there trying to pack away all my stuff because like i said it was uh it was a rush job the first time and um the the guy was like you know yeah you know we're gonna be like closing the doors at six but you know technically it ends at five so we won't uh, admit anyone in and Jason just sort of looked at him and he was like I'm not leaving until everybody's uh, had their signature so you do what you like but I'm staying right here and the fact that he would do that so many conventions like the last fan standing i've heard stories that he's that he literally would keep some conventions open until like nine o'clock at night ten o'clock at night you know just to get to everybody yeah because it, it's you know yeah. I, I i've heard some people say you know oh well can't they just you know they can come back tomorrow and it's like yeah but not everybody can like you even said it you only went to that convention for a day mm. if you travel from ireland to london to see Jason David Frank and then when you get there it's organized so badly that you never actually get to see him and then you've got to basically go home because you're not there the next day that's not just soul wrenching that's just such a waste of money and it can just make you so bitter about going to conventions you know yeah and that, like I said like it's just incredible the amount of dedication he had for his fans to do that is just amazing like they meant so much to him you know and that's that just goes to show what kind of person he was. And he really, really just embraced the fans so, so much. And he'll always be remembered for that. Yeah. And I think nothing emboldened that statement more than the fact that long after his time as a regular Power Ranger was done, 
that he kind of took on a whole second life with how much he supported and loved the comic book series because the comics did really really well when they originally launched they were at one point outselling marvel and dc and you know so many conventions i went to where i tried to get hold of them uh were quite upfront about the fact that they couldn't keep them on the shelves uh in fact i'm pretty confident that happened with one that i went to you with when i got my shiny uh Power Rangers book, and he was like, I can't keep this thing up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the character of Lord Draken very much was something that JDF uh, took under his wing, despite the fact that it was not something that he had done on the show. It only exists in the realm of comics, sort of. It now also exists in video games, but that's a different conversation. But the fact that he was so willing to just immediately throw himself back into the brand and be like, I'm going to do whatever I can to help the comic books because they're so good. Uh, he voiced a trailer for the Shattered Grid, which was uh, an event that happened and it was all about the comics. And then that got a lot of popularity. And then you already know this is where I'm going with this. But then he actually came back and they did a live action version of him playing Lord Drachem with oh, a custom-made yeah. suit, and they, it, it was so good, and it just went so viral. And so much love was given to that because everybody wanted that to be turned into a thing, and it yeah. sucks that that never happened. I know, right? It was just... I remember when, the, when I first seen that, I was like, oh my god, if this turned into a full series it'd be the most successful Power Rangers series to date. Like, there's no way people wouldn't watch this. It was so good. And like you said, it's so shite that we don't actually have this in our media today. It's insane. The sad part is, is that because of his passing, some people have unearthed things and some people are more willing to talk about things because, you know, there's no repercussions from corporations and companies. And something that I found out that actually kind of explains some things that he said on his personal uh, media is that there was a live action series in the works where he would be playing Lord Drachen, and it was going to be on Netflix. It was going to be written by Kyle Higgins, who wrote the comic book that it was based on, and he was the guy that directed the trailer slash short film that we're both talking about do you know why it never happened tell me why hasbro bought the band of course Typical. and hasbro went everything that saban was doing we're not interested in get rid of it it's incredible isn't it just utter ignorance not seeing the you know how incredible this is and the potential behind it and the fact that it was something that was going to happen and just never came to be. It's just so sad and really sucks. It really, really does. Yep. Uh, I, I will stress it wasn't the only thing that was uh, sadly, you know, killed because of the Hasbro deal. There was also a show called Power Rangers Hyperforce, which was a tabletop RPG that Jason David Frank also appeared on playing both Lord Draken and Dr. Tommy Oliver and uh, other rangers appeared on that show as well but that also never got past its first season and 
there may have been other stuff. It's not like they specifically went out of their way to cancel just the JDF thing. It seemed like everything that was going on behind the scenes was killed because they essentially wanted to do a clean slate, which maybe was the right call. Realistically, it's one of those things that unless you're working behind the scenes of one of these big companies, you're never really going to know. Yeah, you're never going to know the full details behind it, but it's a shame. There were so many things that had such great potential at the time, and especially at that particular time with the resurgence of Power Rangers and how popular it became again and the nostalgia behind it all. It would have been the perfect time to kind of reignite the the passion of these characters. And it's a shame it never came to be, but it is what it is, I suppose. And then there's nothing we can do about it. Only talk about it like we are in the podcast. Yeah, but the reason why I bring it up is because it was due to the fact that this uh, series was cancelled, stroke told that it couldn't go ahead, that Legend of the White Dragon became a reality rather than just a thought in someone's head. Uh, the original pitch for this film was essentially the fact that they couldn't do the thing they were going to do originally, so he was like, I'm just going to go and talk to my friend Aaron that runs Bat in the Sun, and maybe we can do our own thing that's very similar, but not the same. And that is essentially yeah. what happened. From the looks of it, it's it's very, very different to what it was going to originally be. Obviously, I think everybody knows that it had a Kickstarter that d did not succeed, and everybody thought it was dead, but then it came back a second time, and this time it succeeded in raising the funds that they said they need. I think it raised a bit more than they needed, and as far as we know, the film is going to be released sometime in 2023. But that is all anybody knows. Uh, lots of people have tried to get them to answer questions, and they understandably basically said, Hey guys, I know you're excited about the film, but uh, we lost him too. Can you just like let us grieve? And yeah. uh, I think that's a reasonable request. They have said that uh, after Christmas, they will think about what they're going to do moving forward in regards to the film. Hopefully, it's good. Obviously, in reality, we don't know. Uh, the trailer that came out a long time ago is probably not the final product in terms of effects and all that sort of stuff. So we'll have to wait and see. But I hope it's going to be good. I feel optimistic about it. It also has people like Mark Dacascos and Michael Madsen and uh, a few other famous faces. It also has uh, uh, other Power Rangers like Jason Font and Ciara Hanna and Serena Vincent. Uh, so there, you know, there's every there's every likelihood that it will be good. But I also feel like it's in a very difficult situation, which is that people are putting so much on this film now because it's going to be the last time we see JDF on screen. And from everything that I've seen, from everything that he's said about the role. The character is not going to be Tommy Oliver 2.0. The character of Eric is going to be very different, have a lot of problems, and be a lot more like him. And I just hope that people are prepared for that. Like, you're not going to see a clean-cut hero on screen again. You're going to see someone with a bit of damage, you know? Yeah, and I, I'm sure the people behind Legend of the White Dragon are under severe pressure because of JDF's passing. I think because of that, more people are talking about Jason, 
more people are interested in seeing his final works and it's definitely going to put a lot of pressure on them and I know it's going to be as good as it can be. I think I'm going to obviously I'm going to go in with reasonable expectations. I'm not going to go in, of course, thinking that, oh, it's just it's this gritty Power Rangers because it's it's not Power Rangers. It's a very different thing. But it is Jason David Frank's official last performance. And that's the reason why I really want to watch it. You know, I want to see what was the last way he uh, portrayed himself on screen and I think that's all that matters at the end of the day, regardless of if it's good or bad or indifferent. But I look forward to watching it just for that purpose, really. Yeah, I agree. I think that's all you can ask for. Um, and I and I hope that that's, you know, that the film does really well. Um, yeah. I don't know what the future for Legend of the White Dragon is. I know that originally Jason wanted it to become a franchise, but I can't see that happening without him and i wouldn't blame the people involved for now wanting it to be one and done and i think that might be the best thing but again that's all future stuff uh the other aspect of jason that i wanted to just briefly touch on is the fact that some people may know this already some people may not i did kind of allude to this earlier but jdf was the term legit or legitimate when it comes to martial arts, applies to him in a lot more ways than people realize. Jason David Frank had a chain of martial art dojos stroke gyms that he owned and he taught at, and he had a string of black belts under him that taught other people. But he himself, at the time of his passing, was an eighth degree black belt in martial arts, and he knew a lot of different styles. His base style originally was Shotokan Karate. He also knew, and I'm pro apologies, I'm going to mispronounce this one, Wado Ryu. He also knew Taekwondo, Judo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Wing Chun, Jeet Kune Do, Aikido. He also knew Muay Thai, and that one I wanted to pause on specifically because I know that he achieved the rank of Master, and he achieved that rank in Thailand. He is ranked as an Ajahn. And he got that under a very well-known uh, Thai instructor. So when people say, oh, he was just a black belt in karate, no. There are very few martial arts that he didn't have much experience in, and he was very, very good at blending them all together. He founded his own martial arts style of American karate called Tosu Kundo, and he was inducted into the World Karate Hall of Fame. And he, you know, he's been in so much stuff that's pure martial arts that kind of gets overlooked just because he was on television for a few years. And as uh, DB Geek already knows, and as I said earlier, he had a short but memorable MMA career, which he didn't suffer a loss in. He won every match he was in. For a brief period of time, he tried to turn professional, but got a lot of pushback because of the fact that he was a Power Ranger, basically. Um, he was someone famous, and a lot of people didn't want to sign him because they couldn't see an upside to it. And then I know for a fact that he uh, got pissed off about that because after everybody told him that, CM Punk rocked in and got signed straight away and then had a, a fight with a really experienced guy and got Lost. flattened. And <laughs> uh, JDF was like, not being funny, guys. I'm actually a legitimate martial artist with you know, titles under my belt. I've, I've been in kickboxing tournaments that I've won. I've done mixed martial arts. I've done Muay Thai fights. And you're saying I'm not good enough, but uh, 
a wrestler can just walk in and get his ass kicked and still get a seven figure paycheck you know yeah and it's such a shame but the 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 truth is the harsh truth of it all is the entertainment industry at the end of the day when it comes to ufc mma wwe if you're in that industry you're already you know guaranteed to get a spot on either side of the ropes but unfortunately for jason david frank and legitimate martial artists with more experience than probably half of the ufc roster yeah no they they just don't want that in their franchise they don't want that in their front page magazines and stuff because it doesn't brush well with them or whatever which is such a shame because i think you and i can both agree that jason david frank definitely deserved to be in that ring more so than a lot of people and to not get that is just of course i can understand how frustrating it was for him because he legitimately cared about martial arts had a passion for it and wanted to turn it into a professional career and because he was a power ranger that was uh that was a no-brainer that was a yeah that's it's just crazy that that actually happened because i think he would have had massive support and i think he would have done incredibly well and uh, he never got that opportunity which i'm sure had a huge negative effect on him mentally as well uh, which is just a shame completely do, do you know what's funny is there isn't a single he did he had five fights uh in total four amateur one professional none of them went past the first round and in those none of them were three minutes long crazy he was good he was really really good and uh you know following on from that the fact that he was able to take all of that martial arts training and turn it into a very successful business and he was always on top of whatever was happening he knew so many people in the martial arts uh, business, uh, if you've ever seen his uh, series where he interviewed people, you know, he used to be one of Chris Casamassa's students, who's the guy that played Scorpion in the original Mortal Kombat film, and he's a Red Dragon karate member. He was uh, pretty decent friends with Chuck Norris and trained with him for a decent amount of time. He also trained with Benny the Jet Arquides. All of these people in those sort of circles that have their entertainment but also have their serious martial arts side of things he seemed to be moving in those circles for a very long time and i know as well which is what i find so interesting that being on power rangers and getting paid if you could call it that uh is not what allowed him to do any of that he already had his first studio uh separate completely from any money he made on power rangers because he used to be, when he was a kid, a comic book collector. And uh, that was his thing. Like he, had, he did comic books. He loved Wolverine. He loved Marvel. He had a bit of DC, but he was mostly a Marvel guy. And then because he took such good care of them and because he got them, you know, as and when, and he was a collector and he went to all of the, the, the places where you get these things, um, he had a very impressive collection and he had them all sealed and he had a lot of number one issues and rare stuff. And, he sold them all, and that's how he got his first studio, and then the rest is history. Wow, I did not know that. I think that's super fascinating, and it actually makes me like him a lot more, because like, I, just, I can appreciate the collecting side of things. I'm a collector as well. I have a lot of memorabilia also, and it's so cool that he, he used his passion for comic books to basically kickstart his entire life. That is so inspir inspirational. Oh, man. I mean, it, it's it's always difficult. I always find this difficult because you you always have to think of it as 
the person he was in life is the real him and how he died is not him yeah and his entire life story in my opinion is somebody that overcame adversity and i feel bad because i know so many people out there have probably never heard him tell these stories and i've heard him tell them so many times because i went through a phase when i was younger where i basically just lived on youtube because i was having a bad time in life and so many of his his and other people's stories kind of helped me get through that and he literally grew up poorer than the people that lived in trailer parks um his dad was a truck driver and they basically lived in a box and i i don't really know how to explain that in any other way because essentially they lived in like a uh the sort of it was literally a box that they built themselves all they owned was land there wasn't anything built on it they built it themselves like his dad and his granddad built it up one room at a time they didn't have indoor plumbing he had to use an outhouse they didn't really have a car he had to walk miles to go to school with his brother and the only thing that kept him out of trouble was learning martial arts like that's basically what put him on the right path and because they were quite poor, that obviously meant they didn't have a television, and that's why he was a comic book guy, because that they were cheap, and they were really the only things that could entertain him. Um, and he came from the sort of family where once you're old enough to like walk and talk, you're old enough to work, so help me put the fences up, and you're going to do all of this, 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 and this, which is why he has a good work ethic. And hearing how he went from that to living in what i would describe as a mansion but maybe americans wouldn't it looks massive to me like if you've ever seen my morphing life his house is yeah i've seen it to to, to go from that lifestyle to that lifestyle and to have so many businesses like he he said it better himself which is that i never i don't know how to relax like i'm always busy i'm always thinking of how to do the next big thing how to turn something out of nothing and I think if you've come up from that rougher beginning, of course you're going to be that way. If you if you if you can get yourself into that position, it's just the most inspiring story in my mind. I mean, he is the reason why I think so many people do martial arts. He's the reason why so many people want to be an actor. He's the reason why so many of us are interested in the things we're interested in because it's superheroes, it's martial arts, it's giant transforming robots, it's magic, it's every every geek thing rolled into one, you know? That's what, what the magic of Power yeah. Rangers was. Uh, and just mm -hmm. before I, I finish my little rant here, when I started doing my martial arts properly again, because uh, I did it briefly as a kid and then I, I, I didn't stick with it, um, when I started doing my mixed martial arts, my Krav Maga, with my mate and we were in there every week uh every other day at one point the first time i went in there um it was shattering and obviously i was like okay this is the real deal i like this place i'm gonna come back didn't really look around the second time i went in there i actually looked around the reception area and they had a lot of pictures on the wall and i spotted right at the very top a photo of the two instructors and and in the middle of them like this was a, a proper photo was Jason David Frank in his karate gi. And I just smiled because no one else there had a clue who that was, but I did. And I just thought, even now, you're still somehow in a part of my life. This is freaking freaky, man. Yeah, that's so cool. Imagine that. That's amazing. <laughs> you have the best stories about JDF. I'm so jealous. <laughs> the, the thing is, they're not all my stories. They're, you know, they're other people's stories. They're his stories. It's just that yeah, part, 
I, I don't know. It just feels like so many people have missed out on a lot of what he had to say. And I think my not worry, because that, you know, it's not like I sit up at night worrying about it, but I think it's sad that not everybody got to experience meeting him. I think it's sad that lots of people will never hear these stories, will never know these different sides yeah. of him. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Considering how many lives he touched in so many countries around the world, I just think that if. I know some of these stories. Should I not keep telling them so that people know them? But at the same time, it's like they're not my stories. You know, it's 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 a weird feeling. I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you mean, and I think it's great that you're using this platform as well to tell those stories because people need to know. A lot of people don't only know him for Tommy, the White Ranger, and they don't really know of who he was as Jason and the things that he'd done in his life and where he started he literally embodies the quote started from the bottom and now we're here and he's he's a perfect example of the hard-working success story and it's just amazing to see how much he had done in in the period of time that he was here unfortunately cut short because i'm sure he had even bigger passion projects on the horizon but you know over now but at the same time his legacy will live on through the mouths and the memories of his fans and that's myself and yourself and many people around the world so as fans and as a community i think his legacy will live on forever i agree and the beauty of i think when actors pass especially compared to other people is they might be gone but everything they did is still here and if you you know if you ever want to remember those times you just have to go and put them on and that is something that I think everybody is going to be doing for a while. I I, I genuinely yeah. think that um, a lot of people didn't think how much this would affect them. I, like you said at the very beginning, you, did, you didn't think it would affect you. I didn't think it would affect me. No. So many people DM'd me that maybe haven't said it on, online like publicly, and they were like, I genuinely can't believe how much him passing affected me, and I didn't even really watch power rangers like you did and i'm like i know man but there was just something about the original six and tommy in particular that it, it, you just gravitated towards and the world was a safer place knowing that tommy oliver was out there and as a kid that means everything yeah 100 percent agree right uh there are numerous things that i that we could keep on saying and i i i hope that everybody listening enjoyed that uh because i certainly enjoyed talking to brendan about it uh, i don't know if it if it it's going to be as coherent as i want it to be when i listen back to this but uh is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up dude no i just want to say thank you for having me on and giving me the opportunity to speak my mind of this incredible human being that we all unfortunately lost but it was great reminiscing it felt super nostalgic and it it brought back some feelings that i had when i was a kid just listening to the stories and stuff but i had a great time and i hope everybody enjoyed you know hearing our stories and our thoughts on on this incredible person it's been great yeah man i mean you know you were one of the first people I was thinking of. Originally, I was going to do it on my own, but then I thought, you know what, it'll be more more enjoyable, I think, for people to listen to if there's more than one voice. And obviously, you and I have planned to do a lot of Power Rangers-related stuff over the years, and 
it's it's just yeah there there are certain people that when this news broke it was sort of like uh, i'm gonna have to have to talk to them like not in a bad way but it's like yeah i know who's gonna be really upset about this you know yeah and it's true and i think the one of the the funny things is is the fact that the reason why me and you know each other is because of tommy oliver is because i done a silly youtube video and dressed up as a power ranger and you connected with that and then we ended up connecting so that just goes to show how special it was yeah man i mean i hadn't even really thought about that because i've just been thinking about obviously everything else but yeah that that is a hundred percent true uh power rangers and then streets of rage but it was definitely the uh the good old white ninjetti outfit that uh jdf himself said was good that i saw on youtube that was the one (laughs) and here we are talking about the the late great jdf himself and on that bombshell guys uh, i'm gonna let you go now and uh, thank you once again to db geek for joining me i hope that if you are one of the people that are struggling and not you know able to wrap your head around this and maybe you've been going through a bad time i hope this has sort of helped the other thing i will say i'm not gonna say it out loud because i I don't know off top of my head and and i will be here for a very long time but in the show notes of this episode will be links to suicide prevention hotlines if you are struggling there are people out there who can help and there are people out there who will listen there are always solutions to problems sometimes we can't see them unless we talk to somebody else about them the worst thing that anybody can do is be alone in their head with their problems because even the smallest thing can feel like the largest hurdle to overcome. You are not alone. Reach out. People do care. And with that, guys, I will see you in the next one. On the action.